0: Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 68 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is March 1st, 2023, and I'm fortunate today to have Ian Farrell, who is an attorney and he does various things, but his main focus is water. He's a graduate of the University of Arizona, and Martin Sarley. Uh, Martin was a water commissioner for both Boulder Creek and which other one?
1: Uh, St. Brand Creek, and I was the deputy water commissioner for Districts 5 and 6, Division 1.
0: I wanted to ask Martin, I, I told him before we started that if I tried to become a water commissioner, honestly, I feel like I would have to work for the state for three years and follow someone around. It is so complicated. They've got to set the ditch head gates and open them and close them so that the farmers are getting their proper amount of water. Tell me me some of the difficulties that you face, what it is that you did and, and what you didn't like and what worked and what didn't. Thanks
1: for the opportunity to talk to you today, Tommy. appreciate being able to kind of tell the side of the story to the public so they get a better idea of what water commissioners do. Uh, I'm just going to start off with a really brief disclaimer. Uh, I still work for the state of Colorado. I am not part of the Division of Water Resources any longer. I'm with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Um, I will be going private sector starting on July 1st, 2023. So... All these opinions are my own. They do not necessarily reflect the state of Colorado's opinions in any way. Um, and we are at the University of Colorado Boulder today. My statements do not reflect the opinions of the University of Colorado Boulder.
0: That's exactly what we want. I want your, just your own opinions. And that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I don't work for anybody. I don't work for a government agent. I can say what I want. So here we go. Describe the job of a water commissioner.
1: The simplest way I can describe the duties of the water commissioner is a water commissioner is there to quantify and then administer the water resource, ideally in real time when possible.
0: But that doesn't happen always. Daily, you go out there, and maybe the river is running mid high, and you have to start turning off some water users how do you determine who gets turned off first describe a call and then what you do after a call okay
1: probably a good way to get into this is to first describe all the water in the state of colorado is owned by the state of colorado okay
0: and- I, I, i'm <laughs> that's what all true good government employees say I question that, but we'll we'll get back there. So the water is belongs to the state, and, and you're going to administer it.
1: Right, and so the way the administration system is set up in Colorado is we, as you've explained before, we work on prior appropriation, which uh, is simplified as saying first in time is first in right. And for a water right to have been perfected, it's had to go through Colorado Water Court, and it has an appropriation date and a priority date. And um, in more modern instances, we – use what is called an administration number, which is a combination of priority and appropriation date to more accurately describe where a water right lies on the appropriation system. So I want to make that point clear. The water commissioners do not create this appropriation system. It's created by the court system. And we are administrating a system that's been set up by the laws of the state of Colorado. And according to those laws, the most senior users or those who are first in time and first in right have first rights to the water. And if they are not satisfied, a concept of a call is placed on a creek or river. And
0: right, Wait a minute. So if they're not satisfied, that means if they're not getting all the water they ever got, right?
1: The water they're dec- legally decreed to receive based on their pr- prior appropriation date.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Essentially, if you are a senior water rights user and you are not receiving your decreed amount of water, you can place a call to the water commissioner and any junior upstream diverters to you must curtail or cease their diversions until you are satisfied and the call is either kept or released.
0: All right, suppose I'm that senior water ride holder and I need to call you. Do I physically call you on the telephone?
1: And this is something that I wanted to bring up. So, the concept of a call is much older than the concept of the telephone. And the first water commissioner in Boulder, when he got his first telephone, wrote in his journal consistently about how the phone would never stop ringing and how much more difficult his life had become as a result of this technology improvement. But um, one of the ways you can get a hold of your water commissioner is by telephone. Now, I'm just going to make a blanket statement here. How you communicate with your water commissioner is something you should talk to your water commissioner about. Do not say anything that I'm saying is way to talk to your water commissioner, you should talk to them and make sure you understand how to get in contact with them. But a phone call is a way to get in contact with your water commissioner. Um, Some of them prefer email or text messages. It's probably a good idea to have a written communication if you are requesting a call as a senior water rights holder, so you have a written record of what's occurred. But you don't necessarily need to call somebody, but a phone call would be a way you can communicate to your commissioner that, hey, I'm not satisfied and I need some help here.
0: Okay, so the downstream farmer, the senior water right downstream farmer has now notified you that he's short of water and he needs more water. And that notification is referred to as a call. And that notification can, as you said, come in through a phone call or email or text message or something that you've been notified, hey, you need to start cutting others off.
1: Yeah. So once the commissioner has been made aware that there's injury potentially occurring to a senior water right, um, administration action begins. And that could be a number of different things. The first step is usually quantifying the resource to determine what administration action is appropriate to satisfy that specific downstream call.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're bringing up something I don't know about. Uh, In other words, what administrative action? There could be a different administrative action than just cutting a junior water right holder's headgate back
1: it might not necessarily be fully curtailing that junior water right they might take a partial decrease in their diversion there's um, a lot that goes into determining what's the most appropriate administrative action to take so for instance say you're a senior water right that you've describing in a theoretical circumstance just say you have an 1860 water right be very yeah. senior and very clear i don't necessarily make the call 1860 on the river to satisfy your 1860 right because that would call out more water than is beneficially required to to satisfy your right you would potentially be having more of the river come down your way than you need to to say satisfy your 10 cfs so you set the call to a less junior right sometimes and this isn't always the case but just because you're an 1860 call and you're not getting enough water doesn't mean the call on the river instantly becomes 1860 it might become 1876 because by taking out those 16 years of diverters potentially between your water right and what would be required to get you water, enough water would come downstream where you would be satisfied and the call wouldn't necessarily need to be 1860, it could be something junior today.
0: Okay, I see Ian's wanting yeah. to jump in here well, just a second.
2: This, this leads to a point we're going to talk to you later. As the you know system has progressed, the web of junior rights above stream from the call has gotten more complex because there are more users. The most junior have to yield the stream, and then it kind of goes down the, you know, down the list. Our first rights were in the 1800s, and now you know there's a lot more users, so the complex web of upstream junior rights is kind of complex. You know?
0: Oh, I, I'm sure, and and that's the reason I said that if I were to become a water commissioner, it would take me a long dang time to understand the system. Where all of those head gates were on the river, and how I, mm-hmm. how I go about providing more water by cutting back some junior water right holders, mm-hmm. uh, not all, just so that 18, as we were describing, 60 water right holder would get his full share of whatever
2: yeah. he's entitled to, right? Correct. And we're not in the era of, or we are in the era of you know data algorithms that could be put in place but since we don't have essentially real time data to try, you know to try to digest that just as a commissioner you can talk about the dilemmas in that and you know how each commissioner kind of has a different system and it's kind of shooting from the hip sometimes hip from sometimes to try to do it properly
0: yeah, I, I can remember meeting with one of the commissioners on, I think, Boulder Creek, and we met every Tuesday or something mm-hmm. at the Burger King, and he'd go over who needs what water.
1: Yeah, it was my mentor, Bob Carlson.
0: Yeah, it was Bob Carlson. I was amazed at how he just sat right there and talked to the users about what was coming up and what the river was running and who was going to be have to be cut back. But that's the way it operates, isn't it? I mean...
1: Yeah, and like I said, the first job of the water commissioner is to quantify the resource so they can, you know, determine the administrative action that needs to be taken, and a lot of that is communicating with the district, um, being out in the field. As Ian said, we don't have as many real-time monitoring stations as we'd like, like river gauging stations that provide accurate data about what the flows are at a given geographic location. I was really lucky to have worked for Bob and have been trained by Bob because he was... I've been told he's the last of the old school water commissioners, and I had a lot to learn from him and how he ran the river and how he pounded the dirt it was a skill. And going back to your point, Tommy, the division of water resources kind of agrees with your statement about how long it takes to train a water commissioner. It, it takes four to five seasons to fully train a water commissioner to the point where they're proficient. And it is a bit of an art when you are making certain administrative decisions because you're having to, assume factors about what the river is doing transit losses you might not be able to determine transit losses that can change throughout the day there's potential for theft along the river where people are making illegal diversions you might have to go hunt those down so it takes a long time to become fluent in the duties of a commissioner and even if you're a trained commissioner in one district it's going to take you some time to learn a new district and it is definitely a unique skill set in that regard
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can just envision you trying to travel up and down the river and you're probably going through people's backyards and, and uh, jumping across their dogs and everything else. And yeah, that takes a lot of time to learn which dogs are going to bite and which aren't, which neighbors are going to bite, which neighbors are going to really object. It's complicated. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you, and you're all calm and everything. I would have been so damn nervous. Uh, I, maybe you were to start with until you kind of learned the ropes.
1: Uh, yeah, it was a little bit nerve-wracking starting off. Um, I had some big shoes to fill um, from the previous deputy commissioner when I took over, and there was a lot of expectations um, that I wanted to live up to um, with that position. And you're right, it, really getting to know your district is important. Getting to know your users is important. And if you're a water user, the best thing I can recommend to you is get to know your water commissioner. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But water rights are now being um, sold off piecemeal, you know, and that's got to be complicated because maybe you used to administer one 1860 water right. Well, let's get away from 1860 because that's too damn early. (laughs) Let's say an 1870 water right. So an 1870 water right. Say that was uh, for a a number 10 CFS. Is that a fairly large water right?
1: For the time, um, you got to remember, when you only have wood infrastructure, you can only control
0: so much water. Yes. Yes. And I have seen some of those head gates that are wood, and the water seeps through the wood. There's no way you're going to control all of that. It's going to get through people downstream that are complaining that they're not getting all their water and they go up there and they see that wooden head gate and they go you know one cfs is clearly flowing onto his ditch why don't you fix that water commissioner
1: that's a great question tommy and i'm going to make a, another blanket statement here there is a huge variation in what is considered acceptable between the water divisions and we have a different division engineer for each of those water divisions, and they all do report to the state engineer. But the standards enforce through the divisions vary greatly, and we'll probably talk about this in more in depth later, but also the way diversion records are created in the districts or divisions vary greatly. So in division one, historically, the division engineer has been very aggressive about Preventing leaks and ensuring that the South Platte Basin is protected through proper infrastructure and upgrades and infrastructure over time. But in other divisions, you very well may find a wooden headgate someplace. Yes. And it may be leaking, but that's what it's been doing for 150 years potentially. And that's it's historic use has been that way. And there hasn't been necessarily enforcement action taken against it. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, and I'm not trying to either criticize or compliment any other division engineer for taking a certain action. But a lot of the historic history of how water rights has been used impacts whether or not it's going to be causing injury to anybody else. So if that water right was perfected and it had a wooden head gate and that was the best that they had at the time and it was leaking and that's the way the systems always interacted, it might not necessarily be causing new injury, but is it maximum beneficial use? No. And so there is a way for the division engineer to come in and say, this isn't the maximum beneficial use. You're not using this resource properly, and we have statutes in place at the state level that require them to make changes or uh, fix, repair, or replace any damaged infrastructure.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but as you're talking, I'm thinking of various things. So Bob Carlson retired, I guess, mm-hmm. and you took over.
1: Uh, as I remained as deputy, and they hired uh, another commissioner who's no longer with the state.
0: When he retired and someone else stepped into his position, not you? Yeah. Okay. And so you continued to report to that newer person. But but he didn't understand the system, did he? You had to train him up.
1: Uh, She was a previously trained water commissioner from another division. And going on what I said, there's a huge variation and difference. Um, Yes. And I'm trying to speak as carefully as I can here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) No names are being spelled out.
1: Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> but give me the initials. No, so no I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> I was working for Bob Carlson it was a very unique experience, and I was very lucky to learn from Bob. And Bob is very hands on instructor, where he expects you to go and figure it out yourself, and then ask him questions. And Bob will answer any question you have for him. But you need to know what question you are asking. He's not just going to spoon feed you. He only gave the new commissioner who came in a couple weeks of training before he retired, which, um, he, you know, went around and showed him the district, but there's a lot of stuff to learn. And when Bob retired, one of his last lines to me was, all right, Martin, it's your job to complete the new commissioner's training. (laughs) So I did the best I could. And I, I really tried the best I could. And I, I worked really hard. I really loved my job. And, uh, it was a very difficult decision for me to leave my position. Uh,
0: And how long ago did you leave that position?
1: Uh, I left the DWR October 18th, 2021, and I've been with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment since then.
0: Okay. So did they immediately then bring in someone to replace you? Uh, No. The new
1: deputy wasn't hired until almost a year after I departed. And uh, the previous commissioner who took over after Bob Carlson departed one week after I put in my notice.
0: Oh, my God. So that that left a horrendous void.
1: Yeah. Um, this is a, something that I would want to bring up so people know, is that there is a, a lack of trained individuals who can quickly take over a district. Uh, and in the circumstances like I've described, oftentimes the division has to juggle people around commissioners from one district to another Um to fill in the void it's actually how bob carlson got the job 30 years ago was he was a water commissioner on the western slope um and there was an issue with the boulder water commissioner being vacant and they brought him all the way over from the other side to fill that void and for the previous time before that garrett deputy garrett Vara was running a boulder creek in his absence until they got bob over there so it it's definitely a a, a loss of resource and time and effort for the DWR every time a water commissioner leaves and they don't have somebody trained up to replace them. I,
0: I know you want to get into how you think the system could be improved, and, and we will do that. But I'm this is so interesting to me, and I know a little more than my listeners, not much, but they're all, I'm sure, sitting there going, whoa, how, how does this actually physically take place in the field and so i do want to ask another question i've worked a lot with brent Chance. Mm-hmm. do all the water commissioners on the platte river drainage report to brent
1: in a sense and i don't want to over speak here so um if you have questions about this the division one engineer's office you can reach them um, sure but brent from my understanding, I haven't looked at his title recently. I don't know if it's changed in the last couple of months, um, but he is the South Platte River Commissioner. He is the main commissioner for our interstate compact, com- compact compliance issues. He is the main commissioner for all of the various interdistrict district issues that occur along the South Platte, and he is one of the main people who has set up the standards and thank you brent if you're listening for all the work you've done with real-time diversion monitoring and data management because he's really changed the way that we make diversion records in division one at least
0: yeah i um, have met and worked with brent on several projects where i needed water for legal sources of water for oil and gas and i got to hand it to brent you know he uh, took time out and patiently explained to me some of the legalities and the way things worked and so uh, i like brent too and i talked to him not too long ago and i know he's retiring Mm -hmm. wow that's going to leave a huge void
1: yeah uh Brent has been an absolutely instrumental force in the way water is administered in division one currently um, we thankfully have a lot of qualified people who have worked under Brent over the years and hopefully there's somebody that can fill his shoes uh, in a quick and timely manner once he does the part and uh, happy to hear that he's gotten <laughs> to that point in his career uh, I have a want to know I've never been able to stop checking the gauges ever since i've stopped being a deputy commissioner i still check the cdss three times a day oh you do i'm going to be interested to see if brent's able to let it go
0: okay so explain cdss
1: uh so the cdss is the what colorado
0: oh go ahead uh, I'm sorry. It's
1: the colorado decision support system it's a great tool if you're not familiar with it i would highly recommend uh learning about it it's fairly simple to use. Uh, You can Google Colorado Decision Support System, and you will come up with a link to that. There's a mobile version if you are going on a phone. I'd highly recommend using the mobile version if you are on a phone because you can't view it easily otherwise. Uh, But essentially, it is a centralized location for water rights and water resource management administration information that the state uses daily to make and post Active calls and any information related to making those active call decisions, as well as history of water rights, uh, decree information, court documents, things of that nature.
2: Uh, so
1: uh, the tragedy of the commons is you have a public like BLM land that's publicly grazable, and yeah. everyone yeah. grazes their sheep on it. So it's dead. And now there's no yeah, everybody resource their
2: self-interest until right. resources gone. And this actually originated in Scotland when the crown opened up a bunch of fields. Everybody was a herder. And they acted in their self-interest until there was a famine because there was no more grass for the the animals. And the tragedy of the anti-commons is essentially the reverse of that, where the transaction costs are so high uh, that the water, right, is not efficiently distributed. People act and try to act in their self-interest, but you have to go through a court system. And, you know, time is value and it takes a lot of time to change a right, Uh, you know, and to change it right, you got to jump through a lot of hoops. And, again, there's a data void that kind of also implements this. Okay. So, you know, there's also a concept of paper water versus wet water. Yeah, we're going to talk so, about so, that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, changing abuse, we can get to that. But right. j- those but are generally the two.
1: And, and what Ian's saying, the anti-commons part of this is there is enough water there. We're just not administering it in a way that's – economically really benefiting us to the maximum use because there's all this water that's owned by like municipalities and they have locked away all these water rights that can't be bought sold or traded because the cities have them and
0: they're not using them all right wait a minute you you talk about so much let let me do this um so i need to put an ending to this one and then okay so, so um let's see what i want to say Well, we've discussed water commissioner work and how complicated it is and how it's really an art form. We want to discuss a heck of a lot more, but this is getting to be fairly long. So we're going to cut off this episode and I'll come back next week and talk to Ian and Martin further about some other ideas that they have. So first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much, Ian and and martin for for being here
2: thank you a lot you know we've been listening to your you know, spotify podcast and it's incredibly interesting and we thank you for your work
0: well well thank you i i don't know about you guys but whenever i uh, do one of these podcasts i kind of get emotionally drained and i like to go to my favorite mountain stream oh yeah and listen to it so maybe you can come join me what do you think mark
1: yeah we can walk down to a stream if you want to
0: <laughs> sounds great <laughs> All right, thank you and see you next time.